This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. No matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your baby's mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Get your baby butt in the best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Tonight, new reporting in the investigation of the Americans kidnapped in Mexico. Two killed by a drug cartel. Two others found alive and now back in the United States. Here are tonight's top headlines. New photos of the two Americans who survived after a trip to Mexico for cosmetic surgery turned deadly. Mexican authorities say they have one suspect in custody. Breaking news, two small planes collide in Florida. Plus, the words no passenger wants to hear aboard a plane. plane. Authorities say Francisco Torres allegedly tried to stab a flight attendant. A new snowstorm is on its way, even as California digs out from the last one. People living in the southern part of the state are pleading for help with many still stranded discussed tonight from some Republican lawmakers who denounce Fox News's Tucker Carlson for falsely portraying January 6th as peaceful. I think it's bull****. Five women are suing the state of Texas over its abortion bill. These women allege they were denied the procedure in spite of grave risk. It is now dangerous to be pregnant in Texas. A Minnesota Vikings player hailed as a hero. And they were just thanking us that, you know, we saved this guy's life.
Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday night. Tonight, the downtowns in despair in cities across this country are report on how work from home is hurting small businesses. Plus, we've got a CBS News exclusive, a historic interview. We sit down with America's highest ranking female military officers to talk about facing discrimination with determination. But first, two of the four Americans who were kidnapped in Mexico were found dead today, while the other two are back in the U.S. getting medical treatment. Tonight, what we're learning about why this tight-knit group was traveling to Mexico. Latavia McGee, a 33-year-old mother of five children, was making a second trip to the country for a cosmetic surgery. CBS's Omar Villafranca is outside the hospital in Brownsville, Texas, tonight for us. Good evening, Omar. Good evening. Two of the victims are back on American soil, recovering at this hospital behind me. While the U.S. government is working to get back the other bodies of the other two victims. Now, we talked to the wife of one of the survivors. She told us the family is still in shock. Two Americans who survived being caught in a shootout and kidnapped by cartel gunmen were taken to a hospital in Brownsville, Texas today. Mexican authorities found Latavia McGee and Eric Williams at a stash house outside the city of Matamoros after gunmen moved them to multiple locations to avoid capture. It was the end of a road trip for cosmetic surgery. McGee, Williams, along with their close friends, Shahid Woodard and Zindel Brown, traveled last week from South Carolina to Matamoros so McGee could have cosmetic surgery. This video shows the moment when they were kidnapped at gunpoint after being caught in a shootout between rival cartel gangs. Here you see McGee being forced into the back of a pickup truck by armed men with others who appear hurt, also dragged and loaded onto the truck bed. Woodard and Brown were killed. Traveling abroad for medicine and medical procedures is common. More than a million Americans traveled to Mexico for health tourism last year, spending about $250 million. 38-year-old Williams, a husband and father, was shot in the leg but is expected to survive. We talked to his wife, Michelle, moments ago from North Carolina. She didn't want to show her face but says she talked to her husband today. Did he tell you anything about that moment at all? No, we didn't discuss it because it was to hear his voice, it was just a lot of crying. My son was there and my son just wanted to hear his voice. And then he had to go because he was going into the, the hospital. CBS News has learned that McGee had been to Mexico before for cosmetic surgery. Investigators are pointing the blame at the Gulf Cartel for this incident, while Mexican authorities have announced that they've arrested a 24-year-old in connection with this attack. Nora? Omar Villafranca with all that new reporting. Thank you. Let's turn now to breaking news. Two planes in Florida collided in midair late this afternoon and crashed into a lake. Well, tonight, what we're learning about the conditions of those on board. It is just the latest scary incident over America's skies, including that United flight in which a passenger threatened to take down the plane. Here's CBS's Lilia Luciano. First responders spent the afternoon searching for survivors after the two small planes collided in midair, crashing into a lake near Florida's Winter Haven Regional Airport. One plane is 21 feet underwater on the ground, on the bottom. It happened just after 2 p.m. Within hours, officials confirmed there was at least one person dead, but couldn't say how many others were aboard each plane. We do believe that there are possibly other deceased. We just don't know yet. 
Meanwhile, this video shows the frightening moments aboard United Flight 2609, which began when suspect Francisco Torres paced the aisle making threats. Passenger Lisa Olson, who shot the video, says that all hell then broke loose for the 168 passengers and seven crew members on board. We turned and ran towards the front of the plane. The United crew um, was amazing. They blocked the first class entrance, which led to the cockpit. Prosecutors allege Torres then tried to stab a flight attendant with a handle of a broken metal spoon after he'd been confronted about tampering with an emergency exit door. Several passengers finally tackled him before the flight crew restrained him until landing. Why did it take so long to stop him? And B, where is the marshal? We are not allowed to talk about the uh, staffing of the air marshals on the planes. But what I will say is that uh, more funding for all of these security programs is a must. Torres is next due in court this Thursday. And while according to the FAA, the number of unruly passenger incidents is down from its 2021 pandemic peak, it's still well above the pre-pandemic average. Nora. Lilia Luciano, thank you so much. Parts of Northern California are under a winter storm warning, while further south, the situation remains dire, with many residents still cut off from the outside world following last week's record snowfall. The state's Office of Emergency Services is working with local officials to help clear roads and dig residents out of their homes. Another major storm is expected to hit California later this week, bringing several more feet of snow to the Sierra. Heavy rain and rapidly melting snow could cause flooding in the foothills. Tonight, Fox News Channel's most popular primetime host, Tucker Carlson, is facing widespread condemnation for his portrayal and selective editing of footage from the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell tonight denouncing the Fox News segment and agreeing with the U.S. Capitol Police Chief that Carlson's comments were offensive and misleading. CBS's Nicole Killian has the latest. Tonight, bipartisan backlash on Capitol Hill. I think it's bull****. Tucker Carlson is a propagandist. Democrats and some Republicans criticize Fox News' Tucker Carlson after the cable news personality used his primetime program to air selectively edited clips from more than 40,000 hours of security footage on January 6th that was granted by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Carlson falsely depicted it as mostly peaceful, calling rioters sightseers who were meek and revered the Capitol. But more than 300 of them have been charged with assaulting police officers like Winston Pingjian. It is offensive to me and my former fellow officers. In a message to officers obtained by CBS News, U.S. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger called Carlson's program offensive and misleading, saying it failed to provide context about the chaos and violence. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell denounced the network. Clearly, the chief of the Capitol Police, in my view, correctly describes what most of us witness firsthand. Still, some Republicans praise the, the Fox host. The truth has finally been revealed. But in the days after the riot, five officers who served at the Capitol that day died, including Officer Brian Sicknick. Carlson showed video of Sicknick, who died one day after the attack, walking, walking the through the Capitol, saying he, quote, looked healthy and vigorous. Outside. But according to the report from the D.C. Chief Medical Examiner, Officer Sicknick died after suffering two strokes at the base of his brainstem, caused by a blood clot. It, it just hit me in the gut. Gladys Sicknick is his mother. How dare Tucker Carlson 
say that he didn't he he you know died from natural causes. Yes, it was caused, but it was caused by what was going on on that day. Many Democrats say that Speaker McCarthy should not have given Tucker Carlson the January 6th tapes while Republicans stopped short of saying he made a mistake. McCarthy has said he will release all of the footage publicly eventually. Nora? And have we heard from Speaker McCarthy at all today? Not yet, but we're expecting he may address reporters soon. Nicole Killian, thank you. TikTok could be banned from the U.S. under a new bipartisan bill proposed today. The Senate legislation would give the Commerce Secretary new powers to act against tech companies based in six foreign nations, including China. President Biden has ordered that TikTok be removed from government devices over concerns that China could be trying to spy on Americans. Tonight, five Texas women are suing the Lone Star State after they claimed they were denied medically necessary abortions because their doctors feared being prosecuted over the state's ban on the procedure. The women came forward to tell their stories today on the steps of the state capitol in Austin. CBS's Janet Chamlian is there. And I needed an abortion to preserve my health, but couldn't get one in Texas. Anna Zargarian is one of five women suing the state of Texas over its abortion ban. She was denied the procedure at 19 weeks after her water broke early. She says putting her at risk of a potentially life-threatening infection. Her doctor said they couldn't perform the abortion, so she had one in Colorado. I felt like a shell of a human, but I was just like, you know, wrapped up in grief. The lawsuit was filed on behalf of the women by the Center for Reproductive Rights, an abortion rights advocacy group. Texas is among 12 states with the most restrictive abortion rules. The procedure is banned unless a woman's life is at risk or the fetus has a fatal diagnosis. But physicians say they're fearful, even when they would typically provide an abortion as the standard of care, because of a law that criminalizes performing the procedure. John Siegel helped get Texas's abortion ban passed. He says some doctors are confused about what the law requires. Texas law does not require for a woman to be at death's door to involve, get involved and actually save that woman. Today's suit asked the court to clarify medical exceptions like Zargarian's. She hopes to try again. At this point in my life, it's just really terrifying to think about getting pregnant in Texas again. Today's suit comes as a Texas federal judge is expected to rule soon on a case challenging the FDA's approval of an abortion judge. That ruling could impact access even in states where the procedure is legal. Nora. Janet Chamlian, thank you so much. Well, now to the news on Wall Street. Stocks took a tumble after Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell warned today that interest rates could be raised more than expected in response to recent positive economic data. Well, that sent investors running for the hills with all three major indexes ending the day in negative territory. Bank stocks were the hardest hit. Over the past three years, the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted nearly every aspect of our lives, including how and where people work. The ripple effect has been felt in many business districts across the country. In tonight's Money Watch, CBS's Carter Evans shows us how cities are working to hopefully revitalize their downtown. Even though the doors are open again at this location of the famous Poroshki Poroshki Bakery in Seattle, business is still down 85%. We only have two employees now versus having 15, 16 in 2019. We're losing money every month. When we first met owner Olga Sagan last fall, sales were so bad she had to close three stores. What happened to business downtown? It disappeared. What about all those corporate workers that used to be your customers? They're at home in suburbs. 
Even Seattle's mayor admitted downtown was changing. It will never be the good old days where everyone is downtown working. It's happening across the country. A new Berkeley study analyzes cell phone GPS data to track activity and rank the economic recovery of 62 North American cities. San Diego's near the top of the list with plenty of housing and entertainment, but Seattle is near the bottom, along with San Francisco, which lost about 150,000 office workers. A lot of these professional services don't have to be face to face. They have no reason to come back. Study author Karen Chappell says skyrocketing housing prices are also a problem. You want people downtown 24-7, maybe put some more affordable housing uh, in downtown areas. So Seattle's now considering modifying zoning so unused offices can be turned into apartments. So thinking of it more as a neighborhood, it's got to be one of our strategies. Markham McIntyre is Seattle's director of economic development. When I spoke to business owners when I was there, one of their main concerns was crime downtown. The public safety issues are real. We've got to make sure that people feel safe coming downtown, being downtown. Behind you. But Seattle business owners are still waiting for the downtown rebound. The changes are coming and we're seeing them little by little. Carter Evans, CBS News, Seattle. For more on the challenges and solutions in the downtown rebound of other cities, you can find it at cbsnews.com. Yet another freight train operated by Norfolk Southern is involved in an accident. We've got the details next. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. There's been another accident involving a Norfolk Southern train in Ohio. That's the same company involved in that toxic train derailment last month. A 46-year-old train conductor for Norfolk Southern was killed today in Cleveland when a dump truck crashed into the front of his train at a crossing. The NTSB has launched a special investigation into Norfolk Southern's safety practices. This is actually the company's fifth major accident since December of 2021. There are two more eyedrop recalls due to potential contamination. What you need to know, that's next. Now to this important consumer alert. The FDA is flagging two more recalls of eye drops due to contamination risks that could lead to vision problems and even blindness. Pharmedica USA is recalling some of its purely soothing 15% MSM drops, and Apotex is recalling some of its prescription eye drops used to treat glaucoma after finding cracks in some bottle caps. Coming up, we sit down with the highest-ranking women in our armed forces to hear their stories of resilience and resolve. That's next. Every day, 
our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In the history of the U.S. military, there have been hundreds of four-star generals and admirals, but only 10 have been women. Well, tonight, in honor of Women's History Month, we sat down in an exclusive interview with the only four females currently serving at the military's highest rank. Great to meet you. For the first time, all together. Thank you. It's a pleasure to serve, and there's four of us, right? Uh, a first. And so pretty soon there will be no more firsts. The highest ranking women in their branches. Coast Guard Commandant Admiral Linda Fagan is the head of the Coast Guard, America's first female service chief and the only woman to sit in with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The journey we've all been on has taken sustained, persistent effort, endeavor. Yes, there's been some difficult people along the way, but, you know, they're not sitting here in these chairs right now. Army General Laura Richardson flew helicopters in Iraq and led an assault helicopter battalion. She now leads the U.S. Southern Command. Where else in the military can you be a helicopter pilot, work at the White House, work at the United States Capitol, work at the Pentagon, and lead American sons and daughters in, in combat? General Vanovos, for a long time, you were the only female four-star. What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was lonely. Air Force General Jacqueline Vanovos leads the U.S. Transportation Command. As a teenager, she had her pilot's license before her driver's license. But when she signed up for the Air Force, she wasn't allowed to fly fighter jets because she's a woman. A senior leader said, really, there really is no reason that women should be here. Uh, and you don't belong here. I talked to fellow wingmen. They were helping me so that I would be sharp so that when I ended up flying with that person again, uh, I would demonstrate that I had every right to be there. Admiral Lisa Franchetti is the number two officer at the Navy and once commanded a carrier strike group. On her first deployment, her commanding officer told her she wasn't welcome there, a situation each of these women have faced. He made it very clear to me that he didn't think women should be on our ship and uh, he was going to make sure that I did not succeed. But how did you deal with it, being discriminated against, knowing that a boss didn't want you to succeed? I just worked harder and, you know, I was going to make sure that what he wanted to have happen wasn't going to happen. Today, all four of these women, who are also mothers, recognize how far women have come in the U.S. military and acknowledge how far they still have to go. So when I talk to young sailors now, they don't actually even know that there was a time when women were not on ships or flying combatant aircraft. It's all about who's on the bench and who are we uh, in the pipeline reaching way down, not just at our colonel level, but to the majors and captains and grooming them to fill our seats. Well, it was an extraordinary conversation with them at the Military Women's Memorial at Arlington National Cemetery. 
And we're going to have much more of our exclusive interview with these four stars, including how they hope to bring more women into the military. That's next week on Person to Person on the CBS News app. Well, that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts.